Ashley. Hi. 2020 is almost over. Can you believe it? I actually really, really can. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I, I'm beyond ready. I'm beyond ready. I just ready. find it so difficult to think that just because a change of a date on the calendar is going to somehow change everything. Like, it is yeah. going to be a full moon tonight, so maybe, maybe, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree with you, right? I don't think the clock is going to strike midnight and it's going to be 2021 and ah, all of our problems are going to dissolve, but am I ready for this mofo of a year to be over? Yes, ma'am. Yes, I am fully ready. And I look it. I'm in my, I get, I'm giving you robe and everything today because I'm tired. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just very careful. Like, you know what? I am grateful for the time I am here and I am grateful to be stepping over where the money resides in 2021. You know what? You better speak that positivity. Thank God we still have our life, our health, our finances, all the things. There are many people who do not have those things going into 2021. So yes, ma'am, that is accurate. But, but But I can be honest and say, I am tired. I'm, a, I'm just a little bit tired. I'll be honest. Sometimes I, um, what's that song? Um, she's, uh, used to be Tyler Perry's singer. She has that one hit song, the gospel song. Ooh, Tamala Man. Tamala Man, yes. Tamala, Tamala. I think about yes. her hit song just then. Girl. Oh my. There are many a theme in 2020 and the struggle was real, so. And so with that, welcome everyone. We made it. We made it. We made it. Welcome to Recapping with Delora. And Ashley. All right, Ashley. So this week we're going to do something different because we are at the end of this, this year. (laughs) I was going to say this wonderful year, but you know what? You know, I, you know. I'm not going to disparage the time God has blessed us on this earth because can we talk about growth? Can we talk about growth and self-reflection of this year? Literally, 2020 vision of our world, (laughs) of who we are. I mean, again, I'm appreciating your positivity. And look here, we did start a podcast. So we, there's that. There is absolutely that. Yeah. There, it, and it's no doubt that there have been many, many blessings within this year, thankfully, um, that have come. So again, no, no shade to 2020. But yes, there's shade for 2020 because you have rocked us, ma'am. To our core. Literally. Sheesh. So. And y'all, and and we're not speaking, we're not saying anything. I'm sure people listening are not like, no, listen, I'm over it. 2020 has been five years. I mean, it's been, it's been a ride. And to that point, Ashley, we're going to go ahead and talk about, so this is typically our hot topics segment. So Mm -hmm. we're essentially talking about our favorite hot topics of 2020. So um, I'll start with the first one on my list anyway. Okay. Megzik. Me being a major royal watcher, um, courtesy of my mom. Okay. I remember her telling me as a kid, she woke up and watched Diana and Charles get married. And guess what did I, what did I do? I did the same for their children as well. <laughs> and so um, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry left or stepped down from their senior positions 
in the royal family and that was january 8th and i'm I'm bringing this up because that feels like 500 years ago when you think about (laughs) all the things (laughs) that has happened this year but that is one of my favorite hot topics i think one of the biggest um the biggest thing for me about this hot topic was I am I was already impressed with Meghan Markle um with her you know poise and beauty and Prince Harry is obviously the favorite prince because <laughs> I mean he's the one with the the personality um but to me you know I I don't like the title of it because the British press is blaming it on Meghan I I, mm-hmm. I wholly wholly believe um, it was Prince Harry's idea. And he finally got himself a, a person to, you know, leave with, you know what I mean? He found his yeah. life partner to live his life outside of his family to do this. So, but he is his mother's son. Girl, 1000%. And, and the last thing I was going to say with Megan is I was so impressed with her because she, she was like, you are not going to back me in a corner. Like, yes, I am not a blue blood. Yes, I'm, I'm American. Yes, I have all these things like being formally married and all this and the other. But the fact that she, she knew who she was and, mm-hmm. and did not let the institution change her, mm-hmm. break her, if she might have been, but guess what? She did not break. Mm-hmm. I was just in awe. I, I was like, "Yes, girl." And you know, I'm I, I'm a huge uh, Prince Harry and Meghan supporter, so I have downloaded their podcast. I am watching all of the things that they're going to be doing because they have this major deal with Netflix. Mm-hmm. So I'm just looking forward to seeing what they have to offer in the coming years because they've been doing a lot. They've been landing these deals. Oh, they yeah. were like, "You can take the money. Take the money. We don't need to be on your support." Yeah, I mean, they are not going to have any financial hardships that I can foresee. At all. And the fact um, that the people it, over there tried to set it up like that, I'm just like... You yeah, it was you it realize. was always more so the family dynamics that made me sad for everything that was happening, not the mm. not the financial side. It was more so like, you know, at the end of the day, this may be in Harry's best interest, Megan's their child's, but it is still sad to think that it's a family divided, right? That you're having to break away from your brother, your father, your grandmother. Um, but to your point, I absolutely think that they should have done what was in their best interest. Um absolutely. I do not feel that Harry should have to spend his whole life in this role that he was born into if that is not serving him and it's not um, what is going to be in his best interest in the future because even interviews he did leading up to where he was just talking about the mental health tolls and all those things mm-hmm. you could see the struggle you could see it he was talking about PTSD still with media because of Diana I mean like mm-hmm. he's a human being you know what I mean yes. and human beings should be more and 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 be regarded as more than the institutions in which people regard them which in his case is is the monarchy yes but it's interesting that you say his family because again being a super fan of like the crown and all things uh, Mm -hmm. um, monarchy for whatever reason because I mean obviously I do understand their toll (laughs) on the world but Mm -hmm. anyway um it family is just a loose word though because at the end of the day guess what the primary focus is it's the crown and whoever is in line for the crown and i'm sure even though that was you know his grandmother his brother his father what have you 
he is what eighth in line now ninth in line now right yeah because now their kids are over him yeah and he is treated as such and so you know if there's no place for him and again back to my crown obsession real quick the second in line always have a problem with finding their roles within the within the institution because there isn't a formal role for them they're just the spare you know what i mean and that's why they live it up more than anybody because it's like you know they get the best yeah i'm never gonna (laughs) have to bear the brunt or the burden of it yeah and i mean again to your point right i'm speaking from a an american perspective this is no disrespect to anybody in 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 britain or anybody who felt you know it was disrespectful to the crown that's your prerogative to feel that way i can only speak from my perspective which is that it did that portion just is what made me sad just because again he lost his mother these are these were his family members and whether or not you know, it, again, watching the crown as well. <laughs> you know, the queen has made some decisions over the course of her of her of her time that have you know been um, challenging. You know, I still think of it from that perspective. But to your point, I think absolutely, Harry and Meghan, hats off to you for doing what was in your best interest and the best interest of your family. And I'm not worried about you at all. Good luck. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Um, so go ahead. What's one of your favorite topics or cultural moments of this year? Yeah, so I, I feel like now I want to go in chronological order just because you started with something in January. So I don't want to <laughs> be going all over the map. So let me hit you with verses. Okay, so Ooh, verses yes. that was created in March uh, because of the pandemic to really, you know, help give us something to look forward to, uh, infuse some some great things to the culture. Swiss Beats and Timberland really put this together as a showcase and it has exploded, you know, on Instagram yes. since March, right? Every single Sponsors verse, I everything. feel like, yeah, every verse is just built an audience, all these things. Brandy versus Monica was absolutely my favorite thus far. Uh, I gave myself a migraine <laughs> going so hard <laughs> watching that on my phone. Um, but I've just enjoyed it so thoroughly. And as somebody who loves live music between the NPR Tiny Desk concerts that we talked about yes. a couple times on the pod mm-hmm. and Versus, um, it's just really, really uh, giving me something to look forward to and to love. But Versus in particular, because I feel that it is for Black culture it's has for meant, the culture has meant so much to me so i just you know that that's one of my favorite cultural moments of this year oh and that means so much because you know even with the artists they're a- they're able to see the impact of their music so mm-hmm. i'm going to give you my top 3 verses okay? okay i can't i can't necessarily give you you know my top like in order but these are my top 3 for sure okay um patty labelle and gladys knight Okay, legends. The, the aunties. Oh, that just brought me. I, I immediately I was thinking of macaroni and cheese and sweet potato pies. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> comfort, Daddy's so pies. warmth of their voices and uh, you know what they, you know, and they've the, been a presence in my life my whole life. You know, the you fact know? that they still have their voices. Let's speak yes. to the fact that these yes. women are still able to hit some of these yes. notes come through. And I love how extra Patty is. Oh, she Always. changed her shoes. Oh, okay. I didn't realize real quick how much I loved her as an actress until I was rewatching A Different World and a she played Dwayne world. Wade's mother. Mama. Yes, like she was so entertaining. <laughs> Love you, Patty. Oh, amazing, amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Fred Hammond 
and Kurt Franklin. Okay. Me being a church kid, okay, I felt seen in that moment because some of the other verses I couldn't I couldn't rock with because I didn't know all the music. Because guess what? I wasn't allowed to listen to secular music when I was young. <laughs> I honestly, my my breath of music, I um expanded in high school so that we're talking mm-hmm. early 2000s okay but you know sometimes I couldn't rock with some of the 90s performers and, but guess what Fred Hammond and Kurt Franklin who was who was first to log in me <laughs> uh, and honestly it was such a pivotal moment when they had that because that was shortly at that was in June after I think Ahmaud Aubrey and yes. I think we were dealing with uh, yes it was timely for sure it was timely for sure for the spiritual uplifting that was needed exactly and then my third honestly it's a tie between erica badu and joe scott because that right there was uh amazing and warmth for the soul and then um it was little john and t-pain oh yeah um, you told me about how much you love that, that gave one. me life because that is when i was you know very much uh into quote-unquote secular music at that point and i'm like i yeah. grew up with all of their hits okay that's probably so the one <laughs> that's probably the one i definitely danced the most to i will yes. say that that's probably the one that had me out my seat the most <laughs> Again, Brandy and Monica, I was going hard just because I was singing my little lungs out. I'm feeling bad for all my neighbors that night. And I had to sit down the second half because I just did way too much, them runs. Um, but, <laughs> but like I said, the fact that, again, that they created this platform, right, that has just brought so much joy to people um, during this time has been such an influence for me personally. And I believe to so many other people too, it's been some moments we will never forget. And I hope Versus lives on post COVID and does even bigger and better things. So yes, excited yes. to see what they do next. But that was one of my top moment, cultural moments of 2020. Delora, what'd you have next? Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> Hamilton for Hamilton, Hamilton available on Disney Plus uh, July 3rd. First of all, it was an early birthday present as far as I'm concerned. Okay. It was like, Delora, you have been obsessed with this musical for so long. And with COVID, you are not going to be able to see it on Broadway. But guess what? We have the original cast. The original cast. Can we take a moment for that? For those like myself who had to see it without the original cast, not that they were not fantastic, but those that I did see, but I knew that I would love to see the original originals because I never, I don't see many a Broadway show. And so it means something to me to pretend as if I had that experience you know well and and then someone for me who have not had the opportunity to see it on stage and lived through it via you know the the soundtrack soundtrack, the album yeah to finally just put those two together was definitely a treat so um it was a it was recorded originally um june 2016 and it was marvelous. I mean, my my own toddler understands Hamilton references, and I, I, I am a happy woman. Okay, the other day, in in particular, okay, the other day, 
she wanted something. And I was like, wait for it. And she was like, wait for it. Like Hamilton. And I was like, <laughs> I am raising you right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so all you guys, if you were not aware, the daughter that Dolores speaking of was our special, very special guest on our last Jingle Jangle episode who gave us not only a phenomenal intro that I will be honest, I teared up on because I did not hear it until I listened to the show the next day. And she is the most adorable thing in the world. Um, so I just want to give a special thank you to Miss Amara for gracing us with her with her genius because you're raising a little baby genius over there. <laughs> Love her to God death. Bless you. <laughs> oh my goodness! But yeah, it, it was amazing. It was definitely um, a treat. Again, with this year being the year that it is, you know them making it available for everyone with the streaming service is something that I think has been definitely the streaming services have been the real MVP during this year. Let's keep it 1000. Okay. They have been, they have been, I would have gone nuts Girl. without streaming this year. Let me be completely honest Girl. about that. Yeah. So was, you want me to do my next one? Yes. Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to talk about two of my favorite shows from this year that we have not gotten a chance to recap on the pod. That is Little Fires Everywhere on Hulu that yes. dropped from March 18th to April 22nd starring Reese Witherspoon and why am I Carrie Washington? Carrie Washington. I'm about to forget your name, ma'am. Don't mind <laughs> me. It's I have a little sangria over here. Um it was still to this day one of the most memorable series that I've consumed this year and as yes. we know we've consumed a lot yes we um, did. if you have not checked out Little Fires Everywhere I would definitely still highly recommend it it was such a great dynamic to so see good between Reese and Kerry Washington and you know uh, the the racial implications of things the 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 challenges they faced as mothers just all of those elements just made it such a excellent series and I feel like they broke both brought their a game not only as producers but yes. as actresses for this series so and I was really disappointed they didn't get any Emmy love this year but they, it was deserved they were there listen this is gonna roll into my next one which got all the Emmys love and that is Shit's Creek yes. which wrapped up its sixth season run Shit's Creek is one of those gems of a show that came into my life unexpectedly and brought me so much joy such a, so unassuming. Like, it's so Canadian, so right? Like, it didn't much, even come, like, girl, you know. I just had no idea what I was getting into. Again, you talk about streaming being the MVP. Netflix really took this and propelled it because it's a pop TV show. Yes. And a lot of people weren't familiar with it. And I first started watching it on Netflix and just consumed all six seasons. The last season I did watch as it aired on pop TV. And Dan Levy, you deserve, you and the cast deserve every one Everything. of those Emmys everything I all of this them. show so much. all of them the finale aired um on the, the 7th of, of april and i hope at some point the cast gets back together to do something i don't care if it's another christmas episode i don't care if it's a film <laughs> i just need just to go back to this world just a little bit longer because it is such a happy place it's so designed. beautiful it's so Loved beautiful it. Uh, yes it. so those are my two uh top favorite shows of 2020 all right and my final um this is a cultural moment uh of 2020 that i'm going to talk about today is 
Black is King, Beyonce's mm-hmm. visual film, mm-hmm. also released on Disney Plus this year, July 31st. Uh, it's the visual companion of the 2019 album, The Gift, which was a part of the, Lion, the live action Lion King movie. Mm-hmm. When I tell you, so am I part a part of the beehive we had we've had this conversation in the past um one may say yes am i a fanatic no but do i respect the heck out of beyonce and her work ethic yes hells yeah okay and so i say that to say when when we heard the gift last year that's that album was on repeat for most of the year to me it's some of her best work the infusion of afrobeats and afrobeats um artists it's just it's It's so good it's still an album that i listen to very regularly in my car very ashley bigger the first time i heard bigger i cried i teared up because you know it's like it's almost like a prayer of you know, for people of themselves, but with me being a mom in that, in that light, I just was mm. like, yes, this is all I want to teach my child. Like mm. you were meant for something way bigger already. Oh, don't make me cry. Stop this. Okay. <laughs> Brown skin girl is what got me when I watched Black is King. Ooh. Brown skin girl, the moment with her and Kelly, like I, I just could, I could not take it. I'm over here like Beyonce, stop. You're, you're just, I don't know how you do this to me, but I just can't, I can't take it. Literally shed a couple of tears. Brown skin girls. I, I, it, the tears came in a way that I, I like, I knew, I knew it was an emotional song because it was, it's a song I play to my daughter all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. But to see it and to see like all the different types of brown skin girls in that video. Yeah. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. But can we talk about the banger that is already and the dancing and the, mm-hmm. the tongue sticking out? I was like, <laughs> yes, me, yes. Her and her Sasha Fierce element. Oh, amazing, yes. amazing. And it visually, visually stunning. It was, honestly, if I'm keeping it 1,000, it was it was overwhelming. <laughs> it was no, it was. It was but overstimulating. It also, okay, it has such a narrative that I don't necessarily think everybody caught because I've heard people say, "Oh, it was weird." It was this. I was like, it was a narrative. It was yes. based on the film. She yes. was telling a story. It was story. a journey. Yeah, absolutely through the music. Right. And the it's visual. not just her putting on outfits and looking cute. I mean, she did. She did. But do it's that too. also a narrative that goes with the film. So if yes. people didn't catch that, just wanted to let y'all know. And the bop that is Find Your Way Back. Oh, mm-hmm. I love that song. And I mean, the there's, whole album no, is there's no, right? I was say there's no miss for me on that album. The only miss for me is uh, the Scar song. Um, what was the Scar song? I can hear it in my head, but I um, love that too. I mean, I'm so serious. You, was, there's not a single song I skip. There's favorite. not a single song I skip on that album. It's a no skip album. It's a no for skip sure. Album. For sure. Beyonce, you did your thing. Not that you don't always, because Beachella was everything. Um, but, you know, you got a story with that one too. Time. Yeah, she oh, elevates it every time. Every time. But the work ethic is something that I admire the most. 
the fact that she's so detailed with it. You could tell she has her hand in it. Before, I used to roll my eyes when they like, oh, Beyonce did this, Beyonce did that. I'm like, they love giving her credit for everything. Like, this is back in the day, right? <laughs> but then when, you know, she's been on her own, you definitely see that she actually has her hand in everything. And that's, that says a lot. She has such a a vision. She's a true, in my opinion, artist because she has a vision for every aspect and element of her music and her shows and her production and all those things. Again, we talked previously about the elevation of certain people when it comes to their artistry. Mm -hmm. And she is definitely someone I hold in very high regard in terms of her overall artistry. Um, The last one that I had, Delora, entanglements, honey. The entanglements of it all. July 2020, (laughs) yet again, the Smiths, who would have thought that we would have received something like this? So let's go back to this August Alcina interview with Angela Yee, with Angela Yee was not expecting anything from it until this man talked about having a relationship, not only with Jada Pinkett Smith, who we all know has been happily married to Will Smith for over two decades. Yes. But that also, Will Smith gave his blessing, gave his permission for this man. So there have been rumors circulating about the Smith's marriage for years. There have been rumors that they have a relationship, that they're swingers, that they're all these things. (laughs) Normally, I would have never expected the the, the caliber that the Smiths are in terms of Hollywood. I would never expected a a response from this type of story. But because Jada... And then where's the NDA for August? First of all, August... I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you what you should and should have not done, sir, if you felt like you needed this for your healing. But I will say you put mm-hmm. that mess on 10 for me yes. in 2020. Because again, I just I would have never expected for someone to be so loose lipped about somebody at that exactly, caliber. Exactly, exactly. And actually, I was willing to actually not pay it any attention because or until out of respect. Jada. Out of respect for Will and Jada. Exactly. So, so again, I think we all thought, and I still thought even, that they were not going to respond to this. But I said, well, Jada Pickett-Smith has read Table Talk. She has established this platform <laughs> of honesty, of transparency, of having hard healing, conversations. Healing. <laughs> so how could you not address this? So when Jada Pinkett, I believe, tweeted... I am bringing Ooh. myself to the red table. I about lost Girl. my mind, Delora. I'm, I'm like thinking back at that time and I'm like screaming in my head right now because Girl. I, I was like, what, what is happening? What is going on? It was all the juice. And as soon as that red table talk dropped with Jada and Wheel across the table from each other, honey, I know I talked to you. I think I talked to every single person I know almost about this red table talk. It was the major cultural moment of the middle of this year for me. (sighs) I I think and hope it seems like they've moved past that and that their marriage is stronger than ever, which is great because Uh, I don't want to At this point, I'm under the impression that there's no more side pieces right now. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe because Will still said in that interview, you know, I'm going to have to get, get you, you back. back. Right? So I'm waiting. That didn't sound like Miss- healing to me. <laughs> no. I'm waiting for Mr. Will okay? Smith for, to get this get back real quick. 
problem with the relationship not the problem with the relationship the problem with this particular entanglement was the fact that he was brought into their home Girl. To he was he was Jaden's friend. Okay, he was a baby. He was so like he was not only younger, but he was brought under their wings to help him. And then yes. it just seemed very predatory uh, for her Ooh. to accidentally slip on that dick. That is Ooh. all I was <laughs> Oh my God! Yes, not a lie was spoken from your lips. Yes, that was very, very interesting to hear so, about. What I'm trying to say is, I'm sure Will has knocked down a couple of you know chicks through the years, but it's different Funny. when you bring people into your home in the you know with the premise of helping and healing you know it's she just did, she did some healing she <laughs> she uh, some sexual healing that is a whole song uh let me just say though again this story will continue to live in infamy for me <clears throat> because of its unexpectedness yeah because of the caliber of those involved and because it's not over yet. I don't feel you like don't think so. No, I do not feel like it's reached its full conclusion yet. Really? I am waiting, girl. That's why I say it. I'm waiting for something else to happen with this because while I do think this seems like they may have been a good place, their marriage, I don't know if Will is done. I don't know if this is over. <sighs> so entanglements, whole new thing that came up and was sparked in 2020. Everybody want to have entanglements coming out their mouth and on social media. Yes. Cultural moment of the year. Oh, thank you, Ashley. And um, I just want to throw in just honorable mention. Obviously the the election happened and we have our first uh, black first um, South Asian vice president elect major 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 black girl magic okay um and of course their racial awakening in this country or at least us willing to have more open conversations that's something to not overlook um and then on a very lighter note lighter note my current obsession with bridgerton bridgerton (laughs) has saved 2020 for me (laughs) <laughs> and I <laughs> just want to put that out there. <laughs> All right. Can we also just speak to, because I had it as my, my very last thing, was the resilience of humanity is the real MVP of 2020. Speak on it. We have been through a lot, guys. A lot. And we have spoken on them many a time at this point, from the elections to COVID to the unexpected uh, deaths of, you know, certain celebrities from Kobe Bryant to um, Chadwick Boseman to Naya Rivera to RGB to just certain things that have happened this year to obviously, again, as you just mentioned, the racial reckoning uh, from Breonna Taylor to George Floyd to just all of these things that have really challenged us as human beings in 2020. And I will just say the resilience of the human spirit 
has been something that I have marveled at every single day of this year. Mm. And it is something that in days that I have hard times, Mm -hmm. that's what helps to keep me going is just hearing those stories of other people and the things that people do for one another in such hardship that I had never imagined I was going to have to live through. So thank you to every single person in the world who is doing their best to live their lives right now. And and no act is too small. Like you can do what you can start where you are and, and, and help out so many people. I just hear about all these human interest stories of um, someone as simple as um, <clears throat> all they knew how to do was bake some cookies, but they were baking cookies for, you know, their, the, the people in their community and how those small things brought smiles. So to, to speak to that resiliency and knowing that no act is ever too small to mm-hmm. help out another person in yeah, this world. You never know who you're impacting. Delora, just seeing your face today always brings a smile to my face. So thank Ashley, you so much. Absolutely, girl. <laughs> and I mean that always a pleasure. You guys. I'm not joking. I love No, that, no. So. And I do too. I, I'm learning how to take a compliment also in 2020. Just, oh, <laughs> just putting that out okay. there. But yes, Ashley you have i'm so happy to be doing this with you and we already have amazing conversations but uh, have a scheduled conversation each week has definitely been a highlight in um this year and moving on in the future (laughs) absolutely well do you have anything else for the top of the show are you are you ready to move into our recap yes Oh my goodness. So we're about to get into our first murder mystery. And that is The Undoing on HBO. It was six hour long episodes, Delora. It was released, the first episode, because it was released serially every week. First episode dropped on October 25th of this year. The finale aired on November 29th. Let me hit you guys with a quick summary. A successful therapist, wife and mother, tries to survive in the wake of a spreading and very public disaster. This series was created and written by Mr. David E. Kelly, who we have already mentioned during our microdose of Big Sky mm-hmm. on ABC. As we talked about already, he was on, has done shows like Ally McBeal, um, The Practice, to currently Big Little Lies. I mean, he, he's, he's definitely a creator. Legendary he's had many creator. A thing. Um, and Married to also, Michelle Pfeiffer, too. Which is a fun fact I just learned recently. I had mm-hmm. no idea. Michelle, do your thing, girl. Um, It is based on the New York Times bestselling novel, You Should Have Known, by Mm. Jean Humph Korolitz. It was in 2014. Let's hit this cast, because it is an all-star cast. All-star. The Nicole Kidman Mm -hmm. stars as the main character, Grace Frazier. Hugh Grant stars as her husband, Jonathan Frazier. Noah Jupe stars as Henry Frazier, who you might have seen in things like A Quiet Place, Ford mm-hmm. vs. Ferrari, and Wonder. Matilda DeAngelis is Elena Alves. This is her, mm-hmm. this is the first American role mm-hmm. for this Italian-born actress who's already an award-winning rising star in her home country. Donald Sutherland as Franklin Rainier, <laughs> a.k.a. President Snow, because he will always be President Forever. to me. Forever. For Hunger Games fans, <laughs> y'all know what we're talking about. We had 
Edin Alexander as Miguel Alves, who you might have seen in series such as Two and a Half Men and Kevin Can Wait. Ishmael Cruz Cordova as Fernando Alves, who has been in series such as Ray Donovan, The Good mm -hmm. Wife. He actually got his recognition first in Sesame Street as the voice of Girl. Mondo. Yes. He's recently been in The Mandalorian. With a face like that, though. Really? I know. <laughs> as if he needs to be just the voice of a character. He recently was in The Mandalorian, and he's also going to be in the upcoming Lord of the Rings series. Mm -hmm. We have Lily Rabe, who stars as Sylvia Steinitz, who you may have seen. She's been in many a thing, but most one of her most recent credits is American Horror Story. I remember her from the show called uh, The Whispers. It was a short-lived okay. show on ABC, and it was also starring Milo uh, Ventimiglia. Ventimiglia. Yeah, so that, that's Milo. where I first saw her. Okay. We have... Uh, one of the standout actresses or actors either in this series for me, Noma Dumezwani, who was mm. Haley Fitzgerald. Yes, you have seen her going all the way back to our first episode of the podcast. She was in Normal People. Yes, she was. Psychiat she's also, yep, she's a psychiatrist. She's also been seen in Mary Poppins Returns. She is an award-winning stage performer. She's been award-winning in A Raisin in the Sun and Harry Potter and the Cursed Child playing Hermione Granger, which yes. I found fascinating. Yes. Um, and she's a Brit, so she's a fellow Brit along with Hugh Grant. Um, mm -hmm. Edgar Ramirez stars as Detective Joe Mendoza, who you've seen in everything from American Crime Story to The Girl mm -hmm. on the Train to Zero Dark Thirty. You have Michael Devine, who is his partner, Detective Paul O'Rourke, who most recently was in shows like Limitless and The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. You have mm -hmm. Jeremy Shamos, who plays Robert Conover, and you have Sophie Grabble, who plays Catherine Stamper, who's the prosecutor. So just a couple additional honorable mentions of the cast so let's get into some of these reviews delora mm -hmm. so rotten tomatoes this has a 77 percent critic score 65 percent audience score i usually give you google user likes 90 percent <laughs> of google users like this show but let me tell you something in terms of publications reviews this show did not get stellar reviews after all was said and done and why because of the finale. Mm -hmm. As The Guardian said in their review, the Undoing series finale, a lesson in lowering expectations. Mm. As Time.com wrote, the Undoing's fatal flaw was his disrespect for its audience. Period. So <laughs> now that we've heard some other people's opinions, as always, let's get into ours. Delora, give me your grade for the Undoing. All right, Ashley. I did wrestle with this a little bit. Um, but after watching it the first time and re-watching it, I did not enjoy my rewatch. And because of that, my grade is a D plus. Oh wow. Yes. Uh. It was I really was just not into this rewatch. Like, granted, <clears throat> the first time I saw it. I would have given it a, a C, C plus. Okay. But with me trying to rewatch it and take notes and, and just, just, you know, get the feel for the story again, I just did not enjoy it. I was very disappointed because they, mm. there were so many dead ends. Okay. Mm. 
And therefore, mm. I gave it a D plus. How about you, Ashley? Okay. Okay. First of all, I respect your opinion as always. And I yes. too wrestled with my grade for this because I too, on my second watch, lowered my grade. Now I'm still giving it a C plus. Okay. And that is based on the caliber of talent and the caliber of performances that was brought out of this particular series for me. Now, originally yes. I was going to give this a B minus mm -hmm. because while the ending was upsetting and I live for an ending mm -hmm. again because I was so riveted especially for me episode one is the best episode of the entire series I watched mm -hmm. that first one and was just so hooked mm -hmm. so I had to see what was going to happen but inevitably the disappointment that I had when all was said and done is why my c plus is going to stand for my grade for this series and Ashley I of course I respect your opinion too I, I'm talking mm -hmm. for for me and how I feel about it. I agree. Like, I was invested, okay? I wanted to know who did it, how it happened. Exactly. And I was really engaged. I think my D-plus came out of me just being so upset at, at all the blatant uh, dead ends. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Obviously, honestly... The D plus is me taking into account the caliber of acting to an extent because I have some things to say about that too. But okay, the kid, the kid actors in this show, kind of like little uh, fires everywhere. They are the MVPs as far as I'm concerned. You know what I mean? But uh, yes, that the <laughs> that's where I'm coming from. Oh, totally understood. So we're we're gonna go ahead and give our spoiler alert because we're about to get into the good good. Mm -hmm. So give me your first impressions of this series. Um, yes, rich white people and a murder mystery. Like, I love this stuff. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> like, I love, you know, rich people and their mess, especially as Issa Rae said, love yes. white mess. Love it. <laughs> and, you know, especially New Yorkers, like, it's just amazing. It's just like, I'm here for it. Nicole Kidman, yes. Hugh Grant, mm -hmm. yes. You know Her what I mean? wardrobe, that Givenchy dress she wears in episode one. I'm going to need yes. that, please. Somebody. Nicole Kidman back to her red curly hair. Oh, my God. Beautiful. Yes. Gorgeous. I mean, I, I was here for it. I mean, and and with it being based off a of book, David uh, uh, Kelly, even them having a woman director that was exciting for me I, I her some of her work has been um her name is uh, susan uh, is it Byers? Byers, Byers, i believe mm -hmm. um dutch filmmaker i we i know her stuff uh from um bird box she did bird box and then she did uh sabrina with um uh, another Hunger Games alum, Jennifer <laughs> Lawrence. But um, I, I was ready for it. I love a good whodunit. Obviously, in love with Big Little Lies. Again, mm -hmm. giving me that feel, you know, just in a different setting. So right. that's where I was. How about you? Yeah, my first impressions was utter excitement because <laughs> I... First, I remember HBO not really giving away a lot about what the series was going to be. Yes, and because I haven't smart. read. 
Yeah, because I haven't read the book or anything. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what to expect. And it's so rare, I feel like, these days for me to go into something completely cold. Mm -hmm. And that really gets me excited. So I was like, oh, this is going to be so good. The caliber of talent, this is going to be amazing. And again, that first episode hooked me so Mm -hmm. quickly because I was Mm -hmm. so charmed and persuaded by this lifestyle. So for things to just unravel, I was not prepared for it. So I will say my first impressions were, again, I was excited and I was deeply invested and that Mm. deteriorated over the course of these six episodes. (laughs) So let the way that we're going to do this recap today, guys, is I'm going to do two episodes at a time. So I'm going to start with episodes one and two. And I'm going to give you a quick summary before Delora and I kind of hit on some of the finer points. So in episodes one and two, we meet the Frasers, Grace and Jonathan, both doctors living a wealthy, well-to-do life in Upper East Side, New York. Grace is a psychologist and Jonathan is a pediatric oncologist. They have a son, Henry, who attends an elite private school, Reardon. All seems fairly well until the mother of a student at the school is found murdered and their life begins to spiral. Jonathan goes missing and over the course of the first two episodes becomes the prime suspect of the investigation while Grace is left to unpack his series of lies. So Delora, let's jump right, right, right in. Did you fall hook, line, and sinker for the life that they were living initially? Did you sense that anything was amiss when, you know, at first it seemed like they had a great marriage. It seems like their son was well adjusted. We're seeing about their careers, all these things. Did you sense anything was off yet? Oh, not at all. Not at all. And so that's why it was such a shocker, especially after or at the end of episode one, where Jonathan's nowhere where he said he was going to be (laughs) like he's not picking up the phone he's not at the hotel so for me it's like this isn't adding up agreed I definitely fell hook line and sinker I blame it on Hugh Grant that charming man as he is I just saw it as oh okay this is what we're doing great it seems like everything's gonna be cool I don't know what's happening but it seems like you know we're having a good time So let's cut to this ladies fundraiser tea where we first meet Miss Elena Alves. Mm -hmm. She's a scholarship parent. She has a son named Miguel who goes to the school. She has this infant baby Mm -hmm. and she seemingly does something that makes other ladies uncomfortable, right? She whips out a boob Mm -hmm. and she starts breastfeeding her baby at the table. Now, I will say, Ashley, I did sense her metaphorically slapping her dick on the table with that move by the way (laughs) wholeheartedly like the way she flipped out that boob and looked at them like yes and and the fact that grace didn't pick up on it at all was very interesting to me and my thing was i could never tell if grace didn't did not also feel the way because sylvia calls her after this right and is like i was i was so passive aggressive yes. and all things her boobs are are beautiful you know all, yep. she, she made all the comments that i think grace also felt but grace was always supposed to be too i don't know immaculate of a human being to say out loud to a certain <laughs> extent because she's this therapist and you know she she does not speak ill of people and all these things mm-hmm. so i don't know mm-hmm. if it was that she didn't feel it or she just was not one to communicate it but regardless 
we then after that see Elena in bed with her husband, right? Or mm -hmm. at least her partner. My first first thought was that's not her baby's father. Oh, really? Yeah, you really that thought was, that? That child was white. Yeah. Her her the her, the man she was in bed with was was a brown was a brown man. So I mean, people I different shades. I, yeah, but <laughs> but let me just say while that is true, my first thought was that is not that baby's father. Mm -hmm. But it sounds and, like and you, she, she definitely you didn't feel that way yet. Mm -hmm. No, I didn't pick up on that either until I wouldn't say later, later, but I definitely picked up on it when things started, you know, falling as they escalating. made escalating, yeah. escalating. Okay, well, yeah, I had that immediately. I said, "Oh no, 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 no!" But I definitely sense, you, you know, it, you know, problems in paradise for sure because she just was not interested in him at no, all. No, something was off. The vibe was off. So continuing on with Elena, that gym scene where Elena Girl. comes and talks to Grace butt naked. Was that like in her face, Ashley? But naked. In her face, what, I just. What did you think Elena wanted? What what she was being, in my opinion, very sexual. But I could not tell if she wanted to be with Grace or if yes. she was trying to make some type of a point. Yes, that is where I was left. That was my impression as well. Like. You know, does she want to give with Grace for some reason? And I will say when she had the scene, the scene at the gym, that's when I thought, I think she has something going on with her husband because she's mm. she's being way too forward with it. That was the first time I I got the inkling of like, yes, yeah, something's up here. Because for her to be a scholarship mom, her going to that gym, how can she afford that gym? You know what mm. I mean? Because I'm yes. pretty sure it's probably expensive. She's there because she got somebody paying her bills. <laughs> I have to be honest. I didn't have that thought yet. I was like, oh, y'all about to have it where her and Grace about to start having an affair? Like, I was confused. Yeah. Like, I just was so unsure because you just never know. I was mm -hmm. not sure whether that sexual energy was directed towards Grace. Like she mm -hmm. wanted to be with her because it just seemed like she was taking this really unusual interest. And she told Grace in that scene, she made her feel at home. And I'm just like, I, I, I couldn't gauge it yet. So the, towards the end of the episode one, we see all of these rich elite parents go to this auction and Elena seems like she's staring at Grace, right? At least at, at this time, we're assuming it seems like she's staring at Grace. It's, very, it's a very opulent setting, right? It's in this house that one of the most rich parents at the school has. They, they're starting $1,000 bidding for a glass of water. And Elena and Grace encounter each other yet again in the bathroom. Elena's crying, claiming she feels overwhelmed and lost. And Dolores, she kisses Grace on the mouth yes. in the elevator on the way out. Mm -hmm. So in this moment, were you still thinking that Elena is doing something with Jonathan or were you thinking anything else? No, I didn't have any other thoughts at this point. Um, I, um, I just thought I did take Elena to be a very sexual free type of person. Right. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of her intentions with her kissing grace, I guess I, I just was thinking, well, she could very well possibly have something going on with her husband, but you know, could it be one of those things where she's just so 
uh, quote unquote obsessed that she wants a piece of his wife too and is grace gonna fall for this i guess that's what i was kind of thinking like you know like where's this obsession gonna go towards because it, it was all always directed towards grace you know yeah it, because and that's an important point too is that we are seeing this as audience we are seeing this only really from grace's perspective she is the main character whose eyes we're looking through in all these moments and so jonathan ends up leaving this fundraiser early supposedly over a patient Mm -hmm. Gail discovers his mother's body the next day Elena's body murdered in her studio brutally murdered in her Mm -hmm. studio but where the f is Jonathan as you already mentioned Jonathan is supposed to be going to some type of conference in in Cleveland he's left his phone at home I said in my notes I feel as frantic as grace at the end of episode one I'm like I'm thinking we are good I'm thinking everything is fine yes this mom is being a little weird but mm-hmm. where all of a sudden has Hugh Grant gone how did you feel at the end of episode one um panicked you know she's calling him she realized his phone is in the drawer she calls the hotel um you know she hears a woman at first and so it's like oh my goodness is he cheating on me with a woman at uh the was it hyatt hotel mm-hmm. and it was just was another guy from, Cleveland. right <laughs> another guy with the same name and so yeah i definitely was like okay what's gonna happen next so yes yeah. i was i was hooked and we as we move into episode two we see that again grace was in the same place as we were as the audience right because in the chat with her father by the Donald Sutherland, uh, Grace says that their relationship had never been better. So that's what makes his disappearance and trying to figure out his whereabouts so bizarre. But we also discover in episode two that Jonathan has been lying about his job for months. Grace goes months. Grace goes to the hospital he is imp- was supposedly employed at, speaks to another doctor there, Dr. Rosenfeld, who says he knew nothing of some conference in Cleveland. Mm. And, you know, Grace is is not only distraught, but it's like, what the heck is possibly going on? Because not only does he say he knows something about this conference, he alludes to some type of confidentiality mm-hmm. that he has to keep, that he can't speak on. Delora, what the heck? I mean, the fact that he was fired three months ago... And so Which that she doesn't find out about until she gets brought into the police for questioning. And so for me, that sets up Jonathan in a very bad light because in episode one, he's telling her, Oh, I have a conference and I'm leaving early the next day. So to me, that just seems all premeditated. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, red flags, red flags for sure. All over the play. And I think what really upset me too, again, is that it just seemed like it left Grace to be able to be so ambushed by all of these things that she had no idea of. Like, again, she doesn't find out that he was terminated until she's brought in by the police for questioning. They tell her he was fired three months prior 
it followed three disciplinary actions. Three strikes. There have yes. been a full disciplinary hearing because of alleged inappropriate contact with the patient's family. And guess who that patient's family was? Elena Alves. Girl. Because Miguel had been his patient. Yes. In this moment, as a wife, first of all, Dora, would you have gone with the police to the police station? And also, would you have, like Grace did, kind of been in denial about what you're finding out because you just can't, you're trying to, in my mind, she was trying to reconcile the man she knows with the one she's suddenly being presented with. Of course, of course. I think, I think the denial is easy to go into, you know what I mean? I think you should be concerned if someone tells you about your husband so awful, some awful things and you're just like, Oh, okay. You know what I mean? So I think it's definitely, I think their relationship was worth her reevaluating everything that she knew about him and reconciling what she's currently hearing about him as well. Would you have gone to that police station when they came and got you? Or would you have been like, nope, sorry, I'm not following you to the police station. If you have any questions, ask me here at the house. Well, see, I always feel like I do understand the you know, the, the personal advocacy of, you know, not going with the flow, but I feel like it also makes you look guilty. Mm. So I think I would have just followed the cops to the police station. Interesting. Cause I felt like this, I felt like this was a moment where the divide in race and class really made a big difference. I feel like Mm. because Grace is a, a rich white woman, Mm-hmm. that she probably felt much more comfortable going forth in that situation and abiding mm-hmm. by that authority. And that's something. I mean, honestly, I was thinking, I was thinking about it from her perspective. I, me thinking of it as a black woman. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I can't, I can't give you an answer right now, but I was just putting, I was in Grace's shoes at that, gotcha. at that moment. Yeah, I was asking you, Delora, would you oh. have gone to the police station? That's what I was asking. But no, to your point, yes, Grace obviously makes that decision. I just was wondering in the moment, is that something that she did because, you know, of her stature and her status? Yes, I think there are elements of that that are absolutely true. Um, that, that made her feel more comfortable. Regardless, obviously, she was had a rude awakening when she got there. But I still feel like there were certain elements of that that they they could have touched on the show. They didn't, but that I thought about. So when she gets back home, she finds evidence of things, right? She finds a scarf that was Elena's and perfume in Jonathan's closet, right? So the the chips are falling. Elena and Jonathan seemingly really were having an affair. Um, Her and Henry go to stay with, with her father, who is incredibly wealthy, even though they never really mentioned how Donald Sutherland is made his money. Yeah. But, you know. but I refer to him as daddy in this, uh, in my recap oh. of, I'm like, he oh, was daddy. definitely, we call him, call him zaddy. He was definitely on some rich, Dropping rich, big coins, rich, rich. This. Yeah. So I also found it interesting in, in these first two episodes, the whole idea of kind of once the shit started hitting the fan, Grace's comfort is taken away pretty rapidly, right? Yes. Not only because she gets ambushed by the police when she takes Henry to school, they ask her to no longer come, Don't no do longer it. be the one dropping him off. Crazy. Um, 
She has to go talk to her best friend, Sylvia, to really understand what's happening, which is that Elena's husband, who had turned himself in prior, now has an alibi, that all focus is now on Jonathan in terms of being the suspect in this. Jonathan, yet another lie is he had hired Sylvia, Delora, as a lawyer a couple Girl, months prior, I wanting her even. advice about the whole accusations at, the, at the hospital. Yes. It was just lie on top of lie. So both Sylvia and her father advise her to get out of town. Her father tells her to go to the beach house. There are, they, they, the police are searching her beautiful New York City townhouse when she gets home. Yet another bombshells dropped by the police in episode two, which is that there's a paternity test for Elena's baby girl because her husband insists he is, as Maury says, not the father. I feel like the police were such an antagonistic force in the show yes, in terms of their were, relationship with they Grace. They were trying to help at all. At they were all. like, but did you know he got a baby on the side? <laughs> Just, I mean, they just hit lot. her with so much. Every time they spoke to her, it was one thing after another. But Grace does go take Henry to the beach house. I wrote down, Henry was really trying my patience for a minute with his behavior when you they got so? there. He was trying my, just for a second, because like when he came down and said, I don't want to be here. This is BS. I want to go back. Like, I understand there's a lot going on, but I'm going to need you to have several seats, son, because Whatever you're going through, compound that by 20 for what your mother is going through. You know what yeah. I mean? But he's like, only 12, right? He, he, he is young. That's why I say I give you a pass that you are just a child, and I know you have to deal with things that you need to deal with them. But in that moment, it was like I may have snapped at you a little bit, son, because I'm going to need you to have a seat. Yeah. I am hanging on by a thread right now. 48 hours ago, I was happily married. Now I'm finding out not only was my husband having an affair, he may have murdered this woman. Had a and baby. we got to flee the city and has a whole baby. So at the very end of episode two, Delora, Jonathan then popped up at this damn beach house claiming his <laughs> innocence, claiming Elena had become obsessed and possessed with him. He was scared, confronted her on the night of the fundraiser, but he did not kill her. But she calls the police and turns him in anyway. I um I put in my notes, Jonathan's ass shows up <laughs> claiming he didn't do it. Girl. <laughs> on some really uh, he was and you were seeing flashes of somebody possibly being around. So when he popped up, it wasn't totally a surprise. Yes. But it was just like, I'm gonna need you to spin a better tale than this. You you looking real guilty, sir. You, you looking incredibly guilty. guilty. Like, you, besides you being Hugh Grant, why should I not believe you murdered this woman, right? Like, what else are you giving me? So, side can we note, talk about how... Go, go ahead. ahead. No, 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 go can ahead. talk about how nasty it was that he... His, his story of, I slept with her when I left, and then I let... Oh, right, I slept with her, left, came back, found her dead, came home and slept with you? Girl. Ashley. The dis respect the he disrespect. didn't even take a shower honey oh, honey the disrespect oh, disgusting it just makes you wonder again what all has he been doing during this time that he has been having this affair right he already yes. has a whole baby so again the disrespect for your family for your wife as a parent but it reached yeah definitely a point as an audience member where i was like sir you are a trash bag of a human being are you a murderer? 
I don't know yet, but you're definitely a trash bag. Side Absolutely. Note, side note, where was Jonathan initially really plan- planning to go on this faux Cleveland trip he claimed Girl, he had? That is the question. That is the question. I have no idea. Seriously, was this supposed to That's be a great question. with I mean, Elena? I think we should definitely get back to that point once we do the big reveal. But okay, yes. okay. So, an additional note from these first two episodes: How do you, as audience member, now feel about Elena after learning of this affair and how she was acting towards Grace? How do you feel about her? Yes, she's dead. Yes, we can yes. see her as a victim, but at the end of the day, mm-hmm. she was fucking this woman's husband. She and was coming up in her face. Yes, it was definitely power move. Uh, on her part because her body was banging i mean let's keep it with that right <laughs> it was definitely power move she was a beautiful woman and you know there was a layer of obsession that i could understand jonathan trying to explain at that moment because after his pleading and begging i wasn't a hundred percent I wasn't a hundred percent sure if, you know, he did it or not. You know what I mean? I'm like, Mm -hmm. you know, how would you feel if your side piece started showing up acting real tough in front of your wife, all reckless and things, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Elena was definitely a, a complicated woman for sure. She was absolutely complicated. And again, I will say that I think it took my second watch for me to further evaluate Elena and her Mm -hmm. motives because she's so immediately Mm -hmm. cast as a murder victim that I don't feel like as an audience, we spend too much time really thinking about her actions. And the Mm -hmm. fact that, again, you are bold-facedly having an affair with this woman's husband. You're thanking her for her kindness. Bitch, where's your kindness? kissing her and everything uh uh i can't i cannot and i don't i don't drop the b word loosely but ma'am let's be clear <laughs> you knocking on that door <laughs> let's be 100 percent clear you are being quite disrespectful so let's move on to episodes three and four quick summary jonathan is initially sent off to jail while Grace tries to reconcile with her feelings surrounding his guilt or innocence. She initially seems hesitant to help him, but after visiting him with and without Henry, she inevitably enlists her father's help to secure a top-notch lawyer, Haley Fitzgerald. Haley. And Jonathan's $2 million bail. Jonathan and Haley, his attorney. That's a shiny coin. Girl. Jonathan and his attorney, Haley, work on building his case for innocence, including a nationally televised interview. So let's get into these highlights. So early on in the episode, again, again, the police, as they love to be the the bearers of news, (laughs) inform Grace that Jonathan... Girl, and I feel like I feel like the uh, pr- D- detective Ramirez took so much pleasure in it. So Grace, early, Grace early. is informed at the top of the episode of episode three that Jonathan is confirmed to be Elena's baby daddy. Baby daddy. Yet another thing, yet another weight that I feel like Grace has to continue tend with psychologically and emotionally. Right? This is yes, she is a 
has a PhD in psychology and she's a psychologist, but this is a lot of things for one person to have it to is, deal with within a very short period of time. It is like drinking water from a freaking fire hydrant. Like I wouldn't blame anyone who would be able to cope. I marveled honestly at the character's ability to kind of hold it together to a certain extent. Yes, she is inevitably going to end up fainting, which obviously was a sign of everything that she was going through. Yes. But the ability of that character to hold it together, because I was thinking the whole time, like, I would have, I don't know, I would have lost it a couple of times at least, right? Like, there would have been cracks like, in my facade. Definitely outburst of like either anger and or sadness so, yes. <laughs> yes yes it was too much for one person to be directed by to someone who probably didn't deserve it unfortunately but you know the lord is still working on me so you know <laughs> <laughs> isn't he working on us all honey on us all <laughs> So also revealed in episode three is that it seems like the murder weapon is, is Elena sculpting hammer. She was an mm. artist. Yes. So per this news story, we find out there's this missing murder weapon, red herring guys, it's going to come back. So Jonathan and Grace's finances, I found to be fascinating in these couple episodes too. Girl, it's yes. It's mentioned by her father and her that he drained their, it seems like joint account at some point in time when he was going through what he was going through but mm -hmm. grace tells her dad like listen i'm fine but she mm -hmm. doesn't imagine he must have much money because he hasn't been working so he has a, a public defender initially delora did you get the sense that she is keeping their finances separate intentionally in their marriage well i think what was interesting that's an excellent question ashley and i'm gonna go go answer it in a different direction i was really surprised by the fact that okay both extremely extremely professional people in in um occupations that render lots of money and yet her father was the one that paid for their son's education i thought that was odd um which I you also, have to get back to because there's a moment that causes me confusion about that aspect but but we'll get back to it in just a few minutes and then, um, you know, speaking of money, we, we do find out that Jonathan asked for money from, from daddy, daddy mm -hmm. Warbucks, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, a pretty penny too. And so I guess I, I didn't gather that detail of him draining the account. I did gather though, him taking out large amounts of money and her having no idea or any visibility to it you know what yeah. i mean well she she actually says she says he drained our account a bit she says that to her father when he's asking mm -hmm. like how mm -hmm. are you so mm -hmm. again it gave me the assumption of like yeah we may have some type of like joint checking account mm -hmm. but i keep my ish a little, a little I mean, over here because I have say, my inheritance to worry about. His money is our money and my money is my money. My money is my money. <laughs> and again, it, in that aspect, because we've seen other scenarios and other series where women have been completely blindsided financially mm -hmm. by decisions that their partner has made, mm -hmm. I'm not mad at Grace if she kept her money over here to the side. But we're talking about, she is a, a child of uh, wealthy people. So, you, you know, they, they handle money much differently. We don't need one big pot. Why? Honey, why? Fill, 
filthy rich. Again, they ain't just, they, they don't give me the impression that they're new money rich. They give me Not the impression of Not severe generational wealth that has been passed down. There are antiquities down. in that house, honey, okay? Honey, honey, Yeah, no, okay, they, they were hurting. She wasn't hurting for nothing. So I definitely want to get back to the, the him asking the dad for money in just a second, but speaking of the the original lawyer that Jonathan had, that initial lawyer meets with Grace and he tells her that while her husband seems like, yeah, the badger, that he seems like a bit of a dick, but not a killer. He calls mm-hmm. what Grace is likely suffering from to be PTB, post-traumatic mm-hmm. betrayal. Mm-hmm. In this moment, I felt like it was a pivotal moment. That's why I wrote it down because I feel like it was the first time Grace is getting someone outside of herself questioning mm-hmm. Jonathan's guilt. Because her outside father, her orbit because this yes. is outside her friend uh sylvia as well because her father seems adamant that he did this thing period and she herself <laughs> is questioning whether he did this thing but she's like well listen hold on wait a second his lawyer his own lawyer saying huh maybe maybe not maybe maybe he did not do this thing so i feel like it was just pivotal because you see grace in these episodes wrestling with Am I going to support this man? Am I going to stand mm-hmm. by this man? Mm-hmm. Or am I not? Mm-hmm. So and my the, question, go yeah. ahead. Yeah, you could just tell that she didn't feel, she felt so uneasy and she didn't know where to land on, yeah. on any of it. She said during that conversation, like, I can't vouch for his innocence, right? Because that was really what his lawyer was coming to ask her. Like, would you be mm-hmm. kind of a character witness for him? And at that point, she said no. But it seems like the turning point for her in multiple t- points in this series is her son. So my question for you is, if it were not for Henry, would she have ever even gone to see Jonathan in jail even that first time? Because she mentioned to her father feeling like she owed it to Henry to, mm-hmm. to, to go and to try to, I guess, reconcile with the idea that maybe his father did not do this thing. Remember when she visited him, she couldn't even look at him at first. No, not at all. So Not what do you think, Delora, as a mom and that, that, that unconditional love you have for your children, do you feel like if that were not the case, that she would have moved on with her life and said, listen, I don't know whether you did it or not, but I'm not here for you? I don't, um, I, I do believe she probably would not have taken the time to see him. I, I think, especially not after all the news was hitting her so hard and so fast. Mm-hmm. I feel like eventually she would have made her way to see him just to get some closure. But I do think the son played a major role in her even holding on as long as she did mm. <laughs> in this series. She wouldn't have been a standby your man if it was not necessarily for the ties. Because she didn't necessarily come off as the most devoted in terms of the emotional side of things. Obviously, through her actions, which are the things that matter, she was there for him, you know, mm-hmm. tapping into her resources and, you know, making sure he had the best uh, to fight this case. But she wasn't really, you know, emotionally, she was just not there. And I think because of that, she was also potential suspect as well in how she handled it from an emotional standpoint mm-hmm. you know and as grace, a viewer grace says in these two episodes at one point she tells she tells jonathan my mind is stronger than my heart mm. and you know that about me and i feel like that was so such a pivotal thing for 
for an understanding of that character again because she's a psychologist she evaluates mm-hmm. things clinically so mm-hmm. yes while at this point in time the waters are muddier because obviously she has an emotional investment this is her family this is her husband this is her child i agree that i think because of her profession and because of the type of person she was supposed to be i think that if it were not for henry she would have definitely taken a more clinical approach to the situation mm-hmm. she would have evaluated it a little differently and her emotions would not have clouded her judgment to the same extent so i agree mm-hmm. with you um also in this episode grace goes back and meets with dr rosenfeld yet again mm-hmm. he also believes jonathan did this but he gives more <laughs> context to jonathan and elena right we find yes. out we find out that jonathan and elena's affair wasn't even discreet nope in the hospital everybody knew it sounded like so he says and i quote jonathan cultivated people being obsessed with him he fed Mm. on it in a narcissistic way he calls jonathan a psychopath yes but it seems like in this moment grace is back to defense mode she's she's trying to kind of defend jonathan's character in this conversation so again we're starting to see more of a shift mentally for her to go back to where she was when she was in the police station like this is my husband this can't be how my husband is you know Mm -hmm. going back to that level of denial and in conversation with her father she mentioned she's open to the idea of jonathan's innocence not getting back Mm -hmm. together but of his innocence and this is where i want to go back to the lord where you mentioned that her father drops the bomb that jonathan had asked for money and not just Mm -hmm. any money he asked for half a million dollars that's a lot of money and he but he claimed that he was that grace he asked for it because grace was worried about paying for reardon so my question to you is if her father was already paying for her son's school why would this excuse have worked on her father because sir if you're already paying for school (laughs) why would i have been worried about paying for my son's education well, I mean, in that p- performance, he told Jonathan, or he told Grace that he told Jonathan that he was just honored that, she, you know, he would even ask him to help. Like he felt honored that he could be a resource for um, Grace's family. And so I don't know. I, I just thought that said a lot to me about his character. And it also shed light on Grace's character as well. She obviously comes from a lot, but she, uh, she doesn't tap into those resources. She's obviously extremely independent. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think as her father, because they obviously have a good relationship. uh, He just probably wanted to help in any way he could. And he trusted her husband because that was her husband, you know? Yeah. Would not think necessarily that, that that was a, uh, ill subsequent lie that he was telling for any nefarious reason. Right. Even Mm -hmm. though, as we find out, he hates Jonathan, right? Like her father. Day one. Despises this man. Day one. It's really only because of his love for his daughter and the fact that she never asked for help, as you mentioned, that he's willing to. But again, I was just like, I'm confused as to why this worked. Again, it must just be blind trust and faith in his intentions Mm -hmm. that the father was like, listen, okay, I'm going to go ahead. And it obviously, I doubt half a million dollars to him is, is substantial. Not at all. But for us, not at all. Hearing that figure, I'm is set for substantial. Life. I'm just I, that, I mean, 
I'm not. I, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do some things for five hundred thousand dollars. I will all make I say. it work. Yeah, okay. I'm gonna do some things for five hundred thousand dollars and Flip for five hundred thousand dollars. Listen, um, <laughs> I'm done. Okay, you can do so, some things with a hundred thousand, let alone five. Listen, listen. So the scene where Henry when Grace inevitably brings Henry to jail, because that's what that's what her husband, that's what Jonathan's asking for. I feel like this is a Henry, Noah as Henry goes straight for the jugular for his father. He asks him all of those hard questions. Do you not love mom anymore? Why did you run? All those things that as an audience member, we have not necessarily heard the answers to yet, right? He's claiming I ran because I was scared and selfish. I knew how it looked. Came back because I wanted my family back. Were you convinced in this moment of this man's desires and reasons behind why he disappeared, Delora? So for the sake of being, you know, viewer of this murder mystery, he definitely looked really, really guilty, right? Mm -hmm. However there was always seeds of doubt so for me um and he's terribly convincing too you know like he's pleading he is pleading and he is just giving it he's giving it okay he's serving it up on a platter and (laughs) you know at this point grace could be a suspect at this point um i never really I never leaned on Fernando being a suspect, although I like to mention that I did not appreciate how they kind of demonized him or made him look quote unquote scary. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like Elena's oh, husband is who we're talking about. Folks. Yes, Elena's husband. Yeah. With him being a man of color and everything like that, I just it just didn't feel okay to me. You know mm. what I mean? I can absolutely see that. I think the point they were supposed to be making is that because these crimes usually are seemingly come down to the husband, everybody assumes yes. it's the husband, they yes. could frame it that way. But absolutely, especially in the year 2020, I don't <laughs> want to see a brown man, uh, you know, created to be a monstrous, yes. villainous character and that this, this because this rich white man is who he is and he's charming and all these things, mm-hmm. he's less, he's less than that. He is less likely. He is mm-hmm. he is completely innocent until somehow we inevitably absolutely prove he's guilty, right? Exactly. That is a great dynamic to bring up. Cause again, I feel like this show did not delve enough into race. And it's not that everything is about race, but certainly a lot of the elements in this show could be construed as racial. Absolutely. Um, and uh, social, social economic, right? Absolutely. And money and access. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so whether or not we as an audience, everybody in the audience believed in his innocence, certainly it seems like Grace was convinced enough to move forward with trying to help him in certain ways, right? We see her go to her father to ask for him to arrange a meeting for her with Haley Vistero, who ultimately agrees to be Jonathan's lawyer. Um, Jonathan gets into this, this jail fight, which was kind of weird because I never, yeah, I was just like, I feel like you guys are trying to make it seem like maybe he's having a little bit of a hard time that you put this scene into the show. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it really served no purpose. It didn't. It seemed like Haley Fitzgerald was about to be A1, though. You know, that whole line about people hire me to create muck. I was muck. like, oh, 
This man, this Ma- man, this woman does. I said this man. This woman is not about to play. Um, no, I really enjoyed her character, by the way, because oh, she was excellent. She, I mean, her one-liners and you know, she kept saying like, "I'm not funny," right? Because everybody kept thinking yes. she was joking. She was like, "I don't make jokes. I'm not I don't funny." Don't make jokes. I'm yeah. not funny because she's like, I know this sounds ridiculous, but you need. I just loved how she knew how to play the game. Like she just was obviously the best right Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. she is ride or die because she's like we're gonna make this happen one way or another because at the end at the end of the day my name is on the line okay (laughs) and we hear it multiple times that like she's the best lawyer she's the best defense lawyer that money can buy right so from I mean, that perspective, Daddy as an told audience them member, about her. Oh, she must know something. <laughs> the, the wealthiest person on the whole show hired this woman, right? So you know she's not going to play any games. So it reinforced your belief that whatever her strategy was, whatever she felt needed to be done, as an audience member, I felt confident that's the direction we were supposed to be going, right? For his for his sake, if you so be- believed in Jonathan, that he is. Mm-hmm. So some additional points in, this, in these two episodes were just, you know, Fernando Alves ends up following Grace, asked to speak to her. It was kind of yeah. an interesting exchange. I don't know how much it really propelled the narrative forward. It didn't, but it, again, it played into the woe is me victim of Grace and mm-hmm. then Fernando being this aggressive man of color when your husband is the leading suspect of, the, of killing my wife. And if like, nothing else was, you know, we're both victims and our spouses were having an affair. So maybe exactly. I just want to talk to you from that perspective as well. And how threatening is this man when he's holding this child in his hand? That's not even his. That's not mm-hmm. even his baby. And he's taking good care of that baby. That right. was heartbreaking to me. Oh, oh, oh. The part, the scene later, we're going to get to yep. it where he says, it's yep. hard for me to love her. Like, Ooh. oh, I felt that so deeply. Yes. Um, so you were already mentioned that Grace could be seen as a suspect. The police actually allude to that because we end up seeing that Grace herself appear on an active camera a block away from where Elena was murdered. I have down WTF. That was yes. the end of episode three, yes. right? It's like us wondering now, did Grace go into some type of, you know, sleepwalking state and not realize she had something to do with this? But well, my my theory at this point was was there some type of double team killing action like did Grace <laughs> and Jonathan come together to get rid of the girl because you know she became a threat when she started getting in Grace's face like you so know many theories I, these so are many this theories. is what's going on in my mind during this time yeah I had I literally had no idea I'm like the plot thickens is I think the only thing that was in my mind like what is happening. At the beginning of episode four, Grace is ruled out quickly as a suspect, though, because Haley tells her, like, listen, you've been captured on camera after the murder, so they ruled you out as a suspect, essentially. When Jonathan ends up meeting with his lawyer, he mentions there was another one-off indiscretion, but also a big bombshell is that he's been estranged from his family since he Mm -hmm. went away for college, right? That was Mm -hmm. something we did. So we're learning more about Jonathan in episode four than we did previously. Why do you think Jonathan, or not Jonathan, why do you think Grace went back to meet with Jonathan's first lawyer after Haley steps in? I have in my notes, was she desiring confirmation bias in this moment? Because she goes back to meet with the Badger, I feel like just to hear yet again reasons why he feels like Jonathan could be innocent. 
Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think she just wanted someone to just tell her what she wanted to hear, frankly. Mm -hmm. Because at this point, you know, Haley doesn't care if you're guilty or not either. (laughs) The Bachelor was that way too, but, you know, Haley was not going to give give her opinion on that she her job again was to create muck Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so yeah honestly it it did feel kind of unnecessary um but obviously she just needed that somebody to have um that ray of hope that jonathan could very well be innocent of this horrid horrid crime Right. Because inevitably, Grace asked for her father to put up Jonathan's bail, as we mentioned before. So he gets out. Um, Henry accidentally bumps into Miguel Alves at school and is subsequently asked into the principal's office, Delora, and is suddenly asked if he should be homeschooled until the case is over. We We see Donald Sutherland get to flex a little muscle coming into the school, talking a little bit of trash to make sure that Henry is talk able to that, stay talk. right, stay at school. Um, again, we also learned that Donald Sutherland never liked Jonathan from the moment never. he first met him. And a couple other nuggets for this episode is that Elena did a portrait of Grace Girl. and called her multiple times before she died. Yet another thing the police revealed to Grace, because they love to shock and awe. Yes. When uh, Jonathan is let out of jail, we hear in one of the newscasts Henry is listening to the first, like I said, there are moments in here that I felt like racially could have been discussed, but we hear a newscaster say that this was absolutely white privilege that Jonathan was allowed to be released on bail. Yeah. The lady says this was a brutal murder. It is obscene. If this were a black man, he would have never been released. Two million dollars, though. Two, Two million dollars, but dollar bill. affordable for the life that he and his wife and her family were living. So it was not outside of his reach the Crazy. way that it would be for other people. Very so, true. Oh, and one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, um, and this is kind of piggybacking off of our conversation from uh, Euphoria. Mm-hmm. I started doubting Grace's uh, perspective on things. Like, I didn't find her to be a reliable narrator, uh, narrator for the things that, that happened in this, you know, in this story. That is valid. That is absolutely valid, right? Not only do we have her bias towards her husband, But we also, it seems like there's always these moments where we question not her sanity, but her recollection of the reality Mm. of the events that have transpired. They keep doing all these flashes and these putty and all these things. It's like, and it's like, did this happen? Did this not happen? It's so valid. That's very, that's a very valid point as an audience member. I fully agree with you. Um, Jonathan ends up showing up at the Alves' apartment. I haven't quotes the audacity. Girl, Fernando is better than me. He allows Jonathan to feed the baby. He first of all, he he allowed Jonathan to enter the apartment. Point blank period, right? Point blank period. But even more than that, he says daddy's home, allows him to hold the baby, admits 
Jonathan admits he's met and held the child before, and that's when Fernando says it is difficult to love her. What must Miguel, who is sitting there, be thinking? Ashley, like I said in the beginning of this recap, the kid actors in this show were the, the MVPs for me because little Miguel played that role even though it was a hard role he played that role so well Mm. and it's like you know i can't imagine all the emotions going on in his head because again back to what that one doctor colleague said the hero worship of it all right you let him in your house because he quote unquote saved you right mm. um i feel like some of that had had definitely happened with the husband too because there's no way man to man he would have allowed any of that to have happened right and i mean i don't know that again also speaking to the kids of this story they all need help because i don't i don't know how well henry okay henry has taken everything pretty well but to me, Grace is not really there for him, right? The fact that he is watching all the news coverage and things like that couldn't possibly be healthy for him. You yeah, know what I mean? That speaks so much to the error we're in, though, in my mind, in terms of mm. how much can you protect your children when they have information at their fingertips? Ooh, you know what I mean? Excellent point. Or in this excellent era point. of technology, that would, it would be really hard to completely shield him from it. Was he obsessed? Yes. yes and yes. so back to little miguel i girl i don't know he's a good boy though because his daddy said go in your room put on your headphones and he did that knowing good and well like i'm sure he was terrified and confused and, and all the things yes all yes. the things like and no one had we have not really talked about the trauma that he experienced just point blank period to have been the one to discover his mother to find again his mother in that brutally way brutally murdered Girl. like if unrecognizable for yes for anyone who's listening to have not seen the show her face and skull was bashed in it looked like as if someone had ran over something in the road like it had it looked like it had tire tread on what was supposed to be her face it was horrific so to imagine him seeing that, like, I just, my heart went out to Miguel so much in this show. And yet again, How he kind of he... terrified me because he didn't talk enough. And <laughs> yeah. whenever kids are in things, they don't talk that much. They scare mm-hmm. me. Yeah. But he, he, again, the acting, it was all on his face. Yeah. The, the confusion, the, you know, being frightened. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I could have seen you playing the kid on Sixth Sense. Like you're gonna scare me a little bit. Yeah, (laughs) just a little bit. But no, you're right. He was. He did do a fantastic job. So two other points I just want to highlight before we move into five and six. Going back to Grace's father. So the conversation with him telling her again that he hated Jonathan from point from day one was because Grace brings up that her ideal of a marriage was her mother and father. And what was unbeknownst to her and what shed so much light again on Grace's mentality is that her father tells her our marriage was merely a facade. He was constantly unfaithful in his marriage to her mother, which is why he hated Jonathan. He said, he reminded me of me. Yep. Day one. So I feel like this moment just really propelled Grace to continue to question 
her faith in everything that she thought she believed in, right? Everything yeah, around because, her mean, is crumbling. That means her foundation itself has broken. Exactly. You know, it's one thing to have her, her marriage be shaken up, but if you go further down to the base of her her whole development her whole life as she knew it that's earth that's earth shattering absolutely absolutely grace the things that grace went through emotionally was too much for me to bear at certain points in time i am glad that she was a psychologist i will say that because oh she did have an outburst though i just remembered she did have an outburst with her father made it to two she had two the first was when they made it to the beach house and she was in the room and she just threw her <laughs> the blankets and the pillows. <laughs> Woo! She went ham for two seconds. And then, and then the second is when they were playing chess and she just wiped all the pieces on the ground. <laughs> and claimed, how weak do you think I am? But it still wasn't, you know what I mean? Like for the catastrophe that her life is turning into, Mm -hmm. I would expect a spectacular meltdown at some point in time. It would be completely justified. (laughs) The last point of episodes three and four was that national interview with Connie Chung that Jonathan and Haley Fitzgerald did to try to spin Jonathan's own narrative. You know, Jonathan claims in this interview, he lost someone he loves. And also at the yeah. very end claims he has an idea of who, did of who it. killed her. I put in my notes, this scene was the first real crack for me as an audience member in Hugh Grant's performance because his mm. emotion felt so odd and felt so forced. Mm. How did you feel at the end of episode <laughs> four? me, at the end of the episode... I think he had already cracked for me at that point because for me going on national t- television to do that interview kind of screams being guilty in a way mm-hmm. um, because you obviously need to change the public opinion about you. And so it was Haley's uh, advice though. It was Haley's advice it is, to do but, it. But to me to do it in the way they did it just seemed a bit guilty to me, mm-hmm. frankly. And I was more put off by the fact that he was declaring his love for this woman and his wife is sitting there watching it. His son is sitting there watching it. Daddy is sitting there watching it after Fernando was sitting there watching it. Cringe. And, and again, I don't, everything's about money, but this man just spent $2 million to get you out of jail and you go on national television to declare your love for your mistress. Okay. Really? This was, this was point one of two for me where I'm like, either Hugh Grant is doing a terrible job in his emotional scenes, or he is a stone cold killer. Mm. And when we get to the end, obviously we'll see how that plays out. Mm-hmm. But it was the that this was absolutely the first crack for me that said, "Oh no, something is off. Your behavior is off." Mm-hmm. So let's move on to episodes five and six and get to our grand finale of the Undoing. So, quick summary: Jonathan's trial for Elena Alves's murder begins and appears to actually be winnable for the defense for a little period of time, Delora, mm-hmm. until Grace takes the stand at the last minute and intentionally unearths family secrets. Jonathan spirals over the edge 
and on a harrowing drive with Henry, just as the audience is finally shown the true events of Elena's murder. Mm. It was indeed Jonathan. Mm. So let's get into the nitty gritty of these last two episodes. Jonathan has the audacity in episode five the to name ask of the show Grace. should have been Audacity it because have I have been. a lot of those notes <laughs> in my notes. <laughs> the audacity, right? Uh, Jonathan has the audacity to ask Grace if she was following him the night of Elena's murder. Was he trying to sow doubt in grace in us as an audience? What was his point? At this, I feel like everything we're going to talk about at this point is just him. I, I picture him being Dave Chappelle sitting at the table and then throwing the water and then <laughs> running out the room. <laughs> if you're familiar with that scene from the great Dave Chappelle show, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because he is just throwing anything at the wall and praying that it sticks. Everything, literally. And we'll get to that a little deeper into these episodes too. So to something that disturbed me, because I don't know how real this may be, is Haley talked about when they were looking at the, the jury members that they could piggyback on the algorithms of Amazon and Google yes, to get info Facebook. on jurors. I put in my nose, disturbing. They were buying targeted pro-defense media news feeds aimed at these people's social media accounts. And Haley says, it's great enough for us to get away with. Please help me understand any defense lawyers out here, if this is valid and this is real, that is terrifying to me. I recently heard a discussion that said, whenever you sign up for something that's quote-unquote free you're the product yeah i believe that was on the social uh mm-hmm. what was it the social i know net- i know it's not the social experiment, network but this experiment maybe it's the experiment it's on netflix this documentary on netflix we're talking about the social something you mm-hmm. guys know we're talking about if you've seen it where they're talking about the ramifications of social media and yes that quote is very, very scary. And that scene was scary to me. Yeah, um, definitely. Because they're, they're also talking about the fact that they need to offer up another suspect. And it seems like suspect number one is going to be Fernando Alves. Yes. Um, Grace had been doing a good job at this point of, wow, it seemed like she was going to stand by her man. She was not going to get back involved with him. But that all mm. comes to an end when Jonathan picks up the phone and lays on that charm. And calls Grace, on sick. calls Grace talking about back in the good old days. Despite everything that has occurred, she went back to their home. She sure did. And spent the night with this man. I, I'm like, is his manipulation that great? Like, I cannot imagine after everything that has... Has to be, G. Has to be. Because... I get it that th- you love this man. This is your husband. But you're telling me after you found out that he was having a blatant affair with another woman, you he find out that he, murdered. You, that he slept with you after he, right after he slept with her. No possibly more than once, obviously. Uh, that he, he has let, a whole baby. He has a whole woman. baby. He let y'all lives. He is the reason why your lives have spun out of control, Grace. He's the reason. And you telling you me- You walked your mind over 
a little British accent and a little rehashing of history is going to make me give up them cheeks. I thought she was stronger than that mentally. <laughs> going back to the little scene where she want to throw some, throw some, uh, some uh, chess pieces, chess pieces <laughs> and claim how weak do you think I am? Ma'am, I thought you were quite weak in this moment. <laughs> Let me just say, Grace, I was very disappointed. Okay. You're human, but I was quite disappointed. You gave up them cheeks real easy in my opinion. Anyway, so as we move on, Henry mentions to Grace something very hurtful for her as a mother to, to hear. And that's that he saw his father and Elena outside of school and he mm. knew something was going on and he knew that his father saw him but he said mama never told you because he trusted me yes that's the part that really hurt when he was like oh I felt like he trusted me like you're doing him a favor right oh my goodness but it I don't know the dynamic between you know man and son because it's, it's much different from yes you know, daughter you know father and daughter you know but you but you even hear as as she says many times like he worshipped his father was not even just necessarily the normal yeah. father-son relationship he had a the way that I think that he earned that hero worship from everybody that adoration from everybody his son also gave that to him right so it was just a yes. different level of of what he cultivated in in people who were close to him right which was yes. this this godly like figure that's how i felt about it in that moment and who could do no wrong who could when, do no wrong when they went to lunch and you hear you hear jonathan reiterate to his son like hey your mother told me the way that henry stared at his mother in that moment I was what, like, what, what part is this again? This is when they go to lunch. Yes. Hugh Grant, aka Jonathan, tells Henry, like, so your mom told me that you saw me and Elena, and you see, you see Henry just stare yes. at his mm-hmm. mother. Mm-hmm. That moment was like it, it bothered me because I was like, You're looking at her like she's the one who betrayed you. Yes, when she your father the was one the one. Girl, your father was the one on girl, that. One. Yeah. Girl. And you see him really kind of run his mouth a lot and say, you know, we can be a family. Mom, did you mean what you said about we can get through anything? We can be a family after all of this. It spoke to Henry's mentality at that moment that despite everything that happened as well, right, we had just seen Grace break and go back and have a physical relationship with her husband. This is also a moment for me where you realize Henry is still team Jonathan to the death. He is still for his father. Even though also, he knows some things. Even though he knows some things, girl. What you about to do? So also in this scene, pivotal, is we find out that there is a long-standing family secret that Jonathan has been harboring. So Henry has been talking about wanting a dog. And Jonathan made it sound he was allergic. Grace finally mm-hmm. breaks down and says, no, actually, he had a childhood dog that got out and he it got killed and his family blamed him. But that was mm-hmm. all a lie, Delora. Mm-hmm. That was a lie. The truth is, it was his little sister, Katie. He was 14. She was four. She got out while he was making himself a sandwich. Claims he and his family never speak of it. That's why he chose the profession he did. Delora, Mm -hmm. this scene was scene number two for me in the crack of Jonathan's armor. That emotion he was supposed to be exhibiting about his sister's death, false. I didn't believe a second of it. I put on my notes, no tears. There were no tears. Did not believe. And you know what's funny is Hugh Grant is so upset 
that people did not feel anything in that moment. I read an article where he was like, listen, I was really I was really shedding tears. And Jonathan in that moment was really upset. I'm like, well, sir, listen, as no. an audience member, it rang no. so false. So false. It was like, again, you at this point, you realize that there's a lot of desperation in his performances. You know what I mean? And this is a the, sociopath in my yes, mind. Exactly. He's a like he is just he's so obsessed with yeah, how people pretending. view him. Yes. For him to maintain this power that he is willing to do anything, again, willing to throw anything on the wall, including his wife. Including, and, and I, um, I'm gonna inevitably his son, his own son, inevitably his son, and we're gonna get to that. We're gonna yes. get to that. Yes. So from this scene, Grace wants to speak to his mother because again, he's been estranged from his family. So when Grace finally speaks to Jonathan's mother, she mentions it was Jonathan's decision to be estranged from the family. Yep. She does believe that it was Jonathan's fault though that Katie died, but. Mm -hmm that after she died, he suffered neither guilt nor grief. grief. They surrounded him with family support, but she said he does not know how to suffer. He never even said he was sorry or another word about it and left as soon as he was able to, to wow. never return. She essentially identifies her own son as a sociopath. Yes. That was a powerful scene yes it was and yes it was but i let okay for him to be a sociopath why did he go into pediatric oncology that's that's the part where i'm i'm kind of confused unless he knew about the power he could have in admiration and all that i don't know i don't know i think whether or not he was actually clinically a sociopath or he had narcissistic personality personality disorder which we hear grace inevitably say she mm -hmm. thinks he has either way he was a particular personality type that lacked empathy and remorse. yes yes so i think those are the pivotal things wh whichever direction people but went in when this was all said and done that spoke to this man's character mm. but going back to our our uh, questions or thoughts about you know him putting throwing everything at the wall to try to make it stick episode five ends with grace horrifyingly discovering mm. that sculpting hammer in henry's violin case the laura girl the look on henry's face too the, the shock look on both of the their faces oh my it was goodness just so intense i was like oh, oh my, my god goodness. that was one of the best scenes of the entire series mm -hmm. for me it was mm -hmm. amazing. So we immediately picked back up on that episode six. Henry admits he found the hammer at the beach house in the outdoor grill just after they got there when they had escaped the city when Jonathan was missing. He says he didn't tell Grace because in that moment he knew his father killed Elena. Yep. But he did not want him to get caught and knew his mother would have turned the weapon over. Crazy, but factual. <laughs> After what we learned of Henry, it didn't surprise me, but it still horrified me. Because yep. I have, you know, I'm a child of parents and I, there's, yes, I love my mother, love, you know, but I'm, I told my mom as we were watching this, I'm not going to help you cover up a murder like this. Nah. <laughs> No, Just and you know, it's, it's so funny. It's like, that's not my ministry. I believe in <laughs> right and wrong. 
especially when it comes to life and death. But yes. I do have some family members I could probably call on if I needed to bury a body. <laughs> oh, those true rider dies. Listen, the true rider. I am. I unfortunately, like Pharrell, a couple of weeks ago, he was like, "If the cops ask me or call me in, I'm gonna talk. That is just what I'm going to do." <laughs> I do not I go mean, to jail. I am not a jail person. I am not built for that. I okay? am not a jail person. <laughs> Are there jail people? Um, that's hilarious. No, 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 no. Because we all know what you're talking about. That's hilarious. Let me say this. For me, it is not even just about the fact that his mother, that his that that Jonathan, that he now thinks Jonathan committed this murder. It is mm-hmm. the atrocity in which Jonathan would have committed this murder if he did, right? Which at this point, as I've yes. already said in the summary, he did, right? Yes. Your father did not shoot a woman and feel some type of way. Your father yeah. did not hit her one time. Your father nope. bashed this woman's head into mush. That yes. takes a special type of monster. Rage. A special type of monster. So Lack no, sir. of emotion. No, sir. No, sir. We're not hiding That's no a murder. Savage. Weapons. Savage. Girl. Killing. So when Haley comes over and they're talking to her about this and they discovered this, Jonathan is still bullshitting and claiming, oh, Fernando must have planted the hammer because the beach house is where me and Elena would go together. He followed us. Girl, claims to want to have it tested to exonerate him. And then Henry says, I ran it through the dishwasher twice. Twice. Henry. Henry. And then. Grace, get your son. Then. Jonathan's asking Grace, could Henry have done it? Could Henry have done this? That was the breaking point for Grace. That was the breaking point, right? Because we just hear Haley say that if this this hammer was turned over at this point, then Henry could be arrested for obstruction of justice. So that right there. I have the audacity. Literally, I have that throughout the rest of it. And I think it was again re-watching it and just seeing the g- clearly guilty Jonathan plead and, and whine his way out of so many it was so chilling. many things. The second time I watched it, it was chilling, right? Because then I can fully uh see the performance and see how he maneuvered in these situations, and it was so chilling. So yes. again, this is the breaking point for Grace. We find out it had been three months since the murder. So it's been three months that Henry has been holding on to this to this weapon. And he is doing it to protect his father. You have the, the nerve, the audacity to take Grace aside and ask if Henry, this 12-year-old boy, would have brutally and violently murdered this woman. So could he even swing it? Goodness exactly, gracious. Exactly. To the point of bashing her skull in the way that it was. Did she kick okay. him out? Because I put in my notes. I'm like, Jonathan's blaming his son. Exclamation. She, exclamation. No, she did. She said, I need you to leave. Yeah. I need you to leave. I was like, right kick now. his behind. This, out. this was her. This was absolutely her breaking point. Again, Henry is the thing that she cares about most in the world. So if you threaten Henry. That is when the, the divide has been, that's when the divide has happened. And you already, I mean, this is the final straw, right? Like if I needed one more thing to possibly believe you did this, finding the murder weapon that was supposedly at the beach house, you're telling me somehow Fernando got there and planted it? Like, sir, how stupid, you get? how stupid do you think I am? So when would you have time to do that? Exactly. Or the energy, why? 
why would he anyway so during Jonathan's testimony when when he his trial's continuing on um he's asked in this one moment about his tux and he claims he took it to the cleaners on the way yep. to Lake George but Cold. in the flash we see as an audience we see him spraying blood stains mm -hmm. on his white shirt before it seems like he's gonna wash it that is when I immediately said he absolutely killed this woman, right? Yeah. That was the moment as the audience member that I said, there's no way anybody oh, else but did Ashley, this. they had sex, he left, and he came back. No. And he found no. her dead body on the floor. So you're telling me he went and embraced his dead body, that he has blood spatter on his shirt? Girl, I'm going to think not. Again, these lies were so bad, and I bet to your point earlier, the social economics of it all. If he wasn't a doctor, if he wasn't a wealthy man, how how long would this have actually have been? This investigation, not that long. He would have been under the jail if he were in a lot of other circumstances or a lot of other skin colors. Let's say that. Um, Grace inevitably asked Sylvia for a walk in a favor. We find out that favor is that Grace asked her to talk to the prosecutor whom Sylvia knew prior to Grace's testimony. I'm putting my notes, Twas a setup. Grace inevitably uses her testimony to bury Jonathan. Yes, and um, you know, the spousal um, privilege privilege is out the window because the defense called on her. Exactly. She set it up beautifully aside yes. from grace's testimony in the courtroom whose testimony did you find the most compelling as an audience member laura miguel definitely okay. i would uh, agree especially when the question of have you seen your parents fight before and if so have you told anybody about it yes and i'm not make all oh, these are fictional characters but it is not surprising that Elena and her husband had fiery fights. Like they seem like those type of people in terms of like, especially her being so like free and in all of the emotion. Cause obviously she's not afraid to kiss a random woman in the, on the mouth, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, that, that right there could have definitely let let jonathan go free if it was checkmate if grace hadn't taken the stand absolutely it was checkmate in my mind like it caused reasonable doubt as to whether jonathan really committed the murder so grace's testimony was hook line and sinker the and to be thing. fair Haley did a great job because they're there was enough evidence to prove that they didn't do enough with having more than one suspect for mm -hmm. she created the muck she did she did sure. although one of my favorite lines Haley said she was like you know the crimes the crime scene is the shrine to your dna <laughs> she told jonathan that mm -hmm. and the way i laughed i was like the accuracy right yeah. um yeah even that end scene when you see her and Jonathan realizing that they've lost, right? The case is now Ooh. lost after Grace. And she says, listen, Grace was in your camp. You lost her. And yes. you didn't get rid of the murder weapon. How stupid 
can you be? Yes. I mean, she's basically saying, like, listen, I did my job to the fullest that I could possibly do it. You yes. made the mistakes in this trial. You're the reason why you're about can to you lose. See, can you imagine he is still blaming someone else mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for his failings? Like, the lack of accountability he and the audacity of it all. He is a psycho. <laughs> he is a murderer. He is a murderer. But- the first time I saw it, I will say it was a bit anticlimactic because I think it was all happening all at once and it wasn't like, like, what did she just do on the stand? And then, and then the way that Haley talked to him, I was like, does she know? Like, you know what I mean? But, yeah. but I think watching it again, I did, I was able to better understand the scene. Like, okay, this was the switch. Yeah. And, and um, you know, with the Haley comment, she was like, she, again, she's always plain speaking to her clients. She's just like, I'm not funny. A matter of fact, you're the one that had the freaking weapon. You messed this you up, sir. It. You messed this up. And I know I, I gauged it the first time. The first time I watched it, that switch for um, the testimony of Grace hit me so hard when mm-hmm. they brought up the situation with her mother-in-law and the conversation. I said, there is no way that the mm-hmm. prosecutor could have known about that conversation so if she me, had not found out from Grace. At that point, for me, I, I was so caught up in, so her friend told her, and how is this legal? Because, you know, you're supposed to present all the evidence and everything beforehand. So for me, I'm going the route the first time, like, well, isn't this hearsay? Like, how is this even valid? Like, I don't understand. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It was a setup, as I said, and masterfully so. I also love when I watched it the second time, the fact that Grace never bowed down to what she had done. She stared Jonathan down, both while yes. she was on the stand and when yes. she got up and was walking out of the courtroom. She stared that man down. She's like, listen, you know what I did and I know what I did and I yes. want you to fully understand that this has happened because of me. Because he, 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 he expected too much from her. He, has, he had done her dirty so, I mean, he had done her so wrong, Ashley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And still expected her to be right there mm-hmm. the whole time after revelation and revelation and revelation comes out. He thought and that then you slick mouth. your son. Girl, he thought that slick mouth could get him out of everything. And it almost did, to be honest. It almost did. Let's get to the last sequence real quick of Jonathan, after realizing he's going to lose this case, taking Henry for a joyride in the car. This scene made me physically ill because I was so worried that he was going to kill Henry. I thought yep. he was going to do a murder-suicide for a yep. minute. I actually have that in my notes, too. Yep. I, I, I was really disappointed in this part, but keep going. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, I also realized again how rich, rich her daddy was because he had a helicopter Girl. flying right next to the police helicopter. <laughs> like, sir... How rich, rich are we? Exactly. Like, daddy, you on another daddy. level. Get the helicopter, get it up in the air. Don't ask me no questions. Wait, so the part for me, so yes, I felt the same way with the murder of suicide. The part that really frustrated me during this whole scene was after she did what she did on the stand, why wouldn't she communicate to Henry, like, all right? it's you and me now your dad is more likely going to go to jail 
let me know of any communication you have with him yeah. like the fact that they let him slip through their fingers like that yeah it was like you just was, i guess in her mind even though he did this heinous crime at this point i guess she's assuming she just never rationalized i guess that he would try to take henry or hurt henry which he is a, mistake. a manipulative exactly prick. it was a mistake so it was a mistake me, of course he was gonna grasp for straws because this is his last person hurrah. yeah his last who hurrah. was going to you know hold him up to the esteem that he was used to of course he was mm-hmm. going to reach out to henry at least mm-hmm. in my mind so for me i was so frustrated uh, at this part at both grace and of course with jonathan because i'm just like oh my gosh what you better not do? kill them yeah you know, what I, are like, you don't run do? this car off the freaking bridge yeah my last thought about the final scene where you know jonathan is taken into custody and you see him looking up, looking out as Grace and her father and Henry fly off in the helicopter was, you know, did Jonathan really snap in that moment with Elena or was he truly a sociopath? He seems convinced that it's the former because he makes comments like sometimes we lose ourselves, but it doesn't change who we are in it's our a separate person. He like, yeah. Oh, I always have that saying, in my notes. Is it, this isn't your father. This isn't the real me. This wasn't, this wasn't who I really am. As an audience member, though, it's the latter for me, right? Because he never shows remorse. He never says he's sorry. He never Mm -hmm. takes accountability for what he has done. There's no, to me, normal human being that could murder someone in such a brutal way and not have some type of personality disorder as a part of that. Not to justify it whatsoever, but Mm -hmm. I definitely feel like, as Hugh Grant says at the very, very end, when you hear the actors at the end of episode six speak about the series, did Jonathan really love his family or did he love them loving him? And Mm -hmm. for me, it's he loved them loving him. That's Mm -hmm. what it always came back to was that affirmation and that God-like, you know, um, Hero worship, worship of him mm-hmm. as a as a person because that's that's the person that he was. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I wrote in my notes. You know, they say men have um, this uncanny um, ability to compartmentalize, and he does it. Uh, he's a prime example of it with how mm. he is describing what happened that night, or not just that describing, but you know, we are then shown what happened that night. Mm-hmm. I just feel like I almost, and so this is the part where I wanted to go back to the beginning with him going on this quote unquote Cleveland business trip. trip. Do you think he had any intentions of killing her before that no. moment? You don't think no, so? No, I don't. I do think that it was a spur of the moment situation that happened because even when he was bashing her head against the wall, which was horrible to watch. Yes. He, I don't think he was intending to kill her until she came at him with that hammer. And mm. I think once she came at, not to justify her murder in any Mm-mm. regard, but no. I think something in that moment broke. And he said, oh, this is the level you want to go to? Okay, well, if this is the level you want to go to, fine. You know what mm. I mean? So I don't think that he had a premeditated plan to kill her. I think possibly it was that he was going to go spend time with her, do whatever it is that they've been doing all this time that they've been seeing each other. But that night, the situation took on a life of its own. But I still, again, don't think that he was the type of person that ever took a step back and said, oh my God, what have I done? 
I think he was like, mm. I did what had to be done. Fuck it. I mean, he went home and effed his wife. Like, I yeah. don't understand. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to say, Ashley? Because there's a couple of uh, points I want to bring up. No, feel on free. Feel free grade. to wrap us up. Yeah, feel free so, to wrap us up. So for me, there were just holes in this story, right? So one, mm-hmm. I did not enjoy Nicole Kidman's performance. I found mm-hmm. her performance to be annoying and odd to me with all the blinking and um, the the random camera angles in her face, like you know and it kind of goes back to what i was saying earlier with her that may have been the botox that may have been the botox (laughs) but (laughs) her being an unreliable you know source when when it comes to her flashbacks and things like that it just was very odd and just like i i couldn't get with it i because to me it didn't really explain yes it explained her her shock and being blindsided but it didn't it didn't serve me it didn't serve for anything else and it just got annoying over time Mm. Uh, speaking of um holes right what exactly is this cocksucker speech that her father was having yeah he was all barking no bites and nothing happened it went nowhere because guess what henry eventually was out of school i don't know if we you know mentioned that but it happened you know um and the 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 biggest hole for me okay is who was the sad fuck because i at one point was thinking sylvia could have been that person and she could have very well have been another mistress and she could have killed her but i'm glad you brought that up and and for her to be always that friend that grace could go to and i'm like what if that's his child too because she seems like a single mom we never i didn't i didn't really know her story very well so for me you know these were all you know dead end points for me you know yeah i'm glad you brought that up i'm gonna address all of them so respect your opinion on Nicole Kidman's performance, but Nicole Kidman did her thing, in my personal opinion. I still love her as an actress, but I just, uh, I was she, just annoyed. I, I get her character, in my opinion, could be annoying, but Nicole Kidman embodied that character. You know what I mean? Like, that's where, you know what I mean? As an actress, she was grace. She was, was so stiff. Like her she stiff was grace. Like, but I think she was supposed, I think the character, the way that grace was, the way that grace um went about navigating the world Mm -hmm. i think that was a product of who grace was supposed to be but Mm -hmm. that's just my opinion and then on the 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 henry being out of school i thought henry stayed in school because he was supposed to go to school that day that's how they realized that henry was missing if he didn't show up at school that day okay yeah, so I believe he was still in school. Then the last point, I'm so glad you brought up Sylvia because Sylvia was the one thing that I got absolutely wrong about the show. I mm. thought Sylvia was definitely on some shady shit. Yeah. Because it's always that person who's su- seemingly yep. super, super close to you yep. that mm-hmm. is doing some sh- So I was a little disappointed that she ended up really being a ride or die because I just was convinced. <laughs> That she was this shady person who was going to turn around and be doing something that was going to shock us all. Again, Again, that one person, that one other person Jonathan claimed to have slept with. Yes. And again, this is why the reviews and the finale, as we speak of, was so disappointing for people. Because I think inevitably with this series, 
we had as audiences so many theories, so many thoughts about what could be, what would be, who was doing this, who was doing yep. that. And it came down to it was, that original person, Jonathan. Yes, it was straightforward was, the whole yeah, time. It was just, it was disappointing. So again, that's why I gave it my C plus because I am all about an ending. My favorite mm-hmm. films are still some that have the most shocking endings, like mm-hmm. the first saw. Oh my God, <laughs> right? Like that was unbelievable. Shawshank Redemption for me. <laughs> Listen, I'm I'm oh. all about a good ending, so and that disappointed me. But great acting in my ex- wait wait excellent excellent acting. Yeah. And overall, I um I did enjoy it the first time around. I just feel like also us being in a post Game of Thrones world, mm-hmm. we have gotten accustomed to the shock and awe of everything right we it's almost like we can't handle a story being as straightforward as this story as that one was and and i think that that probably plays a large part in some of my disappointment in in it but i think there were some valid dead ends that were really disappointing though for me and i mm-hmm. think again Again, my D plus is me rewatching it, not enjoying it because I was a little annoyed because I'm like, this Jonathan character is the worst character of all time. (laughs) (laughs) He is the worst. And he has shown, like Maya Angelou, if somebody shows you who they are the first time, believe them. Okay. So I just cannot deal with like how I really felt for his okie doke the first time you know because he was Hugh Grant that's all I will say I think that (laughs) the casting of Hugh Grant makes so much sense because he is someone besides some of his like later work that he's done where he's Mm -hmm. been you know more you know range in his acting he is a very charismatic charming man Mm -hmm. so to have that embody this character as Mm -hmm. as a as an audience member was like oh but it's Hugh Grant though you know what I mean you do (laughs) carry a little bit of that bias into a show but to to again the points that I had breaks in my belief that he was innocent inevitably I was hoping for a better twist I was hoping for a better ending honestly my suspects were obviously Jonathan Grace was a suspect Mm -hmm. um, Sylvia was a suspect at one point even her dad had some moments where I'm like, is he willing Wonders. to cover up stuff, anything for his baby President girl? No, I mean, again, he is always yes. he's a he's been a very sinister person in other things, so exactly. it's easy to cast him in a villainous character, even though easy. he was not right. Yes. So yeah, I mean, and and your D plus, I, you don't have to justify it, Laura. You, your D plus. No, is I balanced. just want I just want people yeah. to know. I, I wanted Absolutely. to wait till the end once the the killer was revealed to mm. go in a little bit more detail. But yeah. I'm so. sure many people watched this and said, man, this show, <laughs> how dare you take up <laughs> six hours of my life just for you to basically give me what I could have known in episode one. one like, of I've seen fav- those. One of my favorite memes was that that picture of um it's it's a white lady with blonde hair and she's looking confused and on one side of the meme it has all of like this um major equation like like aerospace yes. equations and then they were like how i thought the undoing was going to end and then how it really ended and it was just a picture of the lady confused face that tickled me so much <laughs> 
Yeah, I, to your point, there has been so many great shows and great twists over the last, what, decade or so that yes. it is difficult to have such a simplistic finale. Appreciate the effort, appreciate the artistry, appreciate it was well those done. performances. Yes. I don't need a season two. You know, we've talked about no. my love for continuations. This yes. is fine for me. I'm done. done. So... Please feel free, Nicole, to take your talents on to other ventures. David, you as well. <laughs> Hugh, you as well. Noma, you as well. Appreciated you. Noah, I know you're about to do a Steven Soderbergh film, so good for you. Um, you know, and I, I just, I felt the undoing was still worthwhile to recap for sure because it was one that people talked about a it lot. It was a was moment. It about a lot. And Absolutely. I hope you guys have enjoyed our recap of the undoing yes so ashley we're done with we're done with this episode episode 11 i know but I know. our final episode of 2020 i know again it's been a hell of a year <laughs> so <laughs> you know thank you guys for rolling with us for these 11 episodes we started 2021 super excited for all the content drops that have already been happening because Next week, what are we recapping, ma'am? What are we recapping? I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Bridgerton. <laughs> Shonda Rhimes. Um, first content. Like, so before they were like documentaries, but this is like the first scripted series she has with her new relationship with Netflix. It is a period piece. It came on Christmas. And oh, what a Merry Christmas it has been. <laughs> And yes, we will be recapping that next week in our new year, 2021. Excited. Guys, have a wonderful new year. Have a wonderful uh, time celebrating however you see fit uh, to to mark the end of 2020, beginning of 2021. We look forward to sticking with you. Please follow us on all the things at Recapping Podcast. We're also on YouTube. Check us out there if you feel so inclined. And Delora, as always, my friend, it has been the pleasure. It has been such a wonderful pleasure. Thank you, Ashley. And thank you, everyone. And um, can't wait to see you in the new year. Yes. Bye. Bye. <laughs>